his voice. And this time, if you would turn to the New Testament, we will be reading from Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46. It's a fairly short passage, but in this passage, which is only three verses, there are two parables. And so the first parable is this, Matthew 13, verse 44, the parable of the hidden treasure. And this is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field and a parable. The second parable is like this, the parable of the pearl of great value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. End of parable. These two parables are quite similar. And if I was going to ask you to give a brief explanation of what these two parables might say, you would say these two parables picture salvation in the kingdom of heaven as so valuable that people who recognize that value are willing to give up all that they have to possess it. And I would say, good answer. Service completed, let's pray and go home. No, I'm not going to say that part. But what we would say is that these are parables and they're full of implications. And Jesus didn't give these parables in a vacuum. What is the context of these two parables? First of all, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the gospel. And he's proclaiming about God's kingdom. And so these parables are about what it is like to be in God's kingdom. And to a believer... Life in the kingdom is a wonderful experience. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. He says it is a message, a message of forgiveness of sins. It restores a broken relationship with God. It establishes an unbroken fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's good. It's joyful. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And... We could read a lot about the kingdom of heaven, especially in the book of Matthew. And in this chapter, Matthew 13, Jesus had taught his disciples earlier that not everyone who hears the gospel is going to respond positively. And so he begins this chapter, and of course Jesus didn't know he was speaking in chapters, but we have them. But in this chapter, he starts out with the parable of the sower. And the sower is spreading all these seeds around. And Jesus explains, some seeds are going to grow and they're going to bear fruit. But there are some seeds that are not going to grow. They're never going to bear fruit. And he also gave a parable to his disciples about weeds. Nobody likes weeds, right? Well, he has this picture. Someone planted their field full of full of whatever, corn or wheat or something. And then someone in the middle of the night came and spread a whole bunch of weed seeds in their field. And they started growing up. And 
it was going to be a tremendous job to try and pull out all those weeds. Finally, the person decided, let's just let them all grow up together, and when we harvest, we'll just separate the good from the bad and throw all the bad in a fire. Jesus is pointing out, not everyone who grows in that field is going to be part of the kingdom of heaven. They may seem like it. They may be in the same field, but they're not going to get there. They're so tangled, we have to wait until the harvest to separate them. And the two parables that we're looking at, they are showing us that this hidden treasure and this pearl of great price is that Jesus does bring people into the kingdom of heaven. These men in these parables have something happened to them that they were unaware of. And so before the parable begins, what we're going to say is that these men have already had the Holy Spirit working within them. Because when they find that treasure, when they find that pearl, they're going to respond to it. So let's take a look at at these men. The first parable is what I would describe as a field worker. Someone who's working in a field. And this man is not looking for treasure. He's just doing his work in the field. And he found the treasure by accident. And this is describing the experience of a person who has found salvation. But previously, before they found salvation, they were not interested in religion at all. They weren't even interested or hardly knew about Jesus Christ. And unexpectedly, they were confronted by the gospel. Perhaps they were working in the same field they had worked in their entire life. They were renting that field or working for someone else. And then their plow hit something. And they checked on what the plow had hit. hit and they dug down and found a chest full of treasure. Or perhaps they were digging out a bush that was in the wrong place, and as they pulled that bush out, what was that underneath there, underneath the roots? A treasure. And so he quickly hides the treasure and makes, makes, uh, make, makes, makes himself purchase that field. And what has happened to that man? Suddenly, he felt the burden of sin. Suddenly, that sin was so heavy to them that they had to do something. And they realized that they needed to have a Savior. They were just sinning along in their life every single day. Sin was no problem to them until that day when they hit the treasure, they realized something has to be done. They need a savior. And they heard about Jesus. And it was like the perfect answer for them. They realized that Jesus is a savior. They turned to Jesus. Isaiah described such a person. God said this, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. 
Sounds like a strange sentence, does it? I'm ready to be sought by somebody who's not asking for me. I was ready to be found by those who weren't seeking me. They weren't looking for anything. They didn't expect to find anything. And here's what God says when that happens. Here I am. Here I am. You weren't looking for me, but you found me. That's what God says. Isaiah 65, verse 1. Perhaps you are not seeking God or Jesus Christ. You might be here. You might be listening to this sermon because you're expected to listen to it or somehow inadvertently you're listening to this. And suddenly it becomes clear. You are a sinner. You need a Savior. And you are being drawn to Christ. If that's what's happening, it's because God is at work. You can only resist for so long. Go and buy the, treasure, buy the treasure, buy the field. Now let's think about that pearl merchant. The man who bought and sold fine pearls. He was a merchant, a businessman. Maybe he owned a little jewelry store somewhere, but he was always out there looking for just the right pearls. The perfect pearl. And if you're looking at pearls, and I don't look at pearls too often, but if you're looking at a jewelry store and you're looking at these pearls and they tell you these are AAA pearls or whatever they are, what they are is the right size, the right shape, which usually is perfectly round. They're the right color. Pearls have different colors. You want these nice, crispy, white pearls, and the right, right luster. And then they might have some other ways of evaluating this pearl. And the luster means how bright is it? How shiny is it? He was looking for a pearl. He had criteria that he was using to find that perfect pearl. And he found it. He found the one he was looking for. It was a, would be the crown of his collection. He's like the person who says they're spiritual. And you might meet people like this. You say, oh, I go to church every Sunday. And they'll reply to you, oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, the spiritual person is looking for something. They believe that there's something out there they're looking for a religion. And this particular man, he was probably looking for something that would satisfy him. So he was studying religion. And so as he went about his travels as a merchant from place to place, he would go and see what kind of temples were in each city. What kind of religions were the people ser serving? And he was looking for something that made sense to him. And he might have spent years looking for this. He might have spent some time in Buddhism. He might have checked out Islam. He might have thought about Judaism. But he never was comfortable in any of those places. And he had never considered the claims of Christianity. What does Jesus say to a person like that? 
We read in Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. He finally knocked at the right door, and it was opened to him. And he realized that what he heard was right. It was the right place to be in the kingdom of heaven. And so this man begins to study, who is Jesus? And Jesus says right back to him in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the one who is going to bring you to a pleasant, peaceful place. That's what this man was looking for. He was looking for that pearl, that pleasant, peaceful pearl, the prize that he was looking for his whole life, going here and there, and having people show him the pearls that they had taken from the bottom of the ocean. And finally, he found it. The most precious pearl. Are you interested in spiritual things? Are you interested in what God says to you? Well, I would tell you this. First, Paul wrote Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. And you know who that is, Paul says? The man Christ Jesus. When that man found that one pearl, what did he find? He found Christ Jesus. There's only one way of salvation. Perhaps there's another person out there. There's another field worker. He could be plowing that entire field and never find a treasure. Perhaps there's another pearl merchant out there looking for that, that perfect pearl, the one of great value, never finds it. Don't be that field worker. Don't be that pearl merchant. You'll just go about your life without anything in it. But let's think about what did they, these men do. First of all, they recognized right away the value of what they had found. The man who found that treasure in the field, as soon as he saw it, he saw it was extremely valuable. The man who found that pearl knew that that was a pearl of great value. Secondly, they determined that they needed to purchase the treasure, needed to purchase the pearl. They said, I have got to have it. So what did they do thirdly? They sold everything in order to purchase what they had found. Whatever they owned, they disposed of it. They gathered up the cash and went and bought it. Fourthly, they acquired it. They now had the treasure. They now had that pearl. 
And what can we learn about these men and what they did? They did something that many people, many women, many men, many boys, many girls don't do. They discovered the gospel. Many people hear the gospel. You're listening. They listen for a while, and then they just walk out the door and never come back. These men didn't do that. And I hate to say this, the people who walk out the door and never come back are fools. That's what the Bible tells us. They're fools. This gospel isn't just for today. It isn't just for now. It isn't just while you're sitting here in church. It is for eternity. The gospel makes you able to live to eternity in the presence of God with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you walk out that door, you're not going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity. You're going to be in hell with the devil. Not a place, pleasant place to be. Those people are spiritual paupers. They're living a life of spiritual poverty. If you're ready to walk out of the door, I would urge you to turn around and come back in. Listen a little longer. Listen to what we have to say. Listen to the gospel. And so these men, they didn't walk out. They didn't give up. But these men were made alive. When they saw that treasure, they saw it was a splendid treasure. When they heard the gospel, they understood its simplicity. The gospel isn't hard to explain. It isn't hard to understand. When they heard the gospel, they saw that it was something of great value. And something changed. All of a sudden, they were like this man who, uh, <clears throat> who wrote a psalm. And he said in this psalm, 84 verse 10, he said, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. All of a sudden, they're changed. Instead of going to the public pub, the bar after work, they're interested in studying their Bible in the evening. Instead of doing sports every day, all day, any time you got, they're spending some time in the word of God. Their life has changed. They're interested in what God has to say to them. And then all of a sudden, you know the Bible is full of rules and regulations. I don't really care for rules and regulations that much, do you? They just restrain you. Well, their attitude has changed. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. All of a sudden they realize that those rules and regulations are bad. God has given us some good rules. Psalm 19, verse 9 and 10. They are more desired than gold. 
rules and regulations? The laws of God? Yes, even more than fine gold, it says. Sweeter than honey. I used to love honey sandwiches. They were so good. Honey and butter. Sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. That's what happened to these men. All of a sudden, the rules were fantastic. And then they began to think, these rules are not only fantastic, but they're right. They're the right rules. They aren't just made just to make it difficult for us. In Psalm 119, verse 28, the psalmist says, Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. They're the right things. They make sense to me. And then the man who has found the gospel presses forward. Like Paul, as he said in Philippians 3, verse 14, I press on toward the goal. And what's the goal? The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Are you going up? Are you going to be where Jesus Christ is? That's what they were looking for, to be part of where Jesus Christ is. And these men didn't hesitate to do whatever it took to be saved. They were willing and ready to do whatever it took. When you think about it, God is willing for you to have salvation. Salvation is of inestimable, I can't even say that. We can't estimate its value of salvation. Whatever the price is, we're willing to pay. And someone might say, well, here's what the price is. Number one, come to God in God's way. Number two, trust in Christ alone. There's no other way. Number three, turn your sins over to Christ Jesus. Turn away from sin. Follow Jesus. Easy, right? Three easy things. The treasure is yours if you ask for it. The great pearl is yours. All what you have to do is get it God's way. In some ways, salvation is cheap. God will give you whatever you want. He will give you salvation. Grace is cheap. It's free. That's how cheap it is. Sometimes I see on the side of the road that there are some things there, and it says free by them, and I go and look at them, and I understand why they're free. Well, if someone put a treasure on the side of the road and put free on it, I would take it, wouldn't you? Especially if it was a treasure. Or if someone put that perfect pearl on the side of the road on a table and it said free on it, I'd say, well, I don't know if this is some sort of joke, but I'm going to take it. That's what the gospel is like. It's free. But in other ways, the cost of salvation is the most expensive thing you have ever bought. And why is it so expensive? Because when you take that treasure 
you are exchanging it for your life. And I'm not just giving my life for somebody to sacrifice it. But what am I doing when I give my life, my everything? I'm selling everything I have to get this treasure. Well, you might be selling, uh, you might be selling some relationships. We read in Matthew 10, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You still love your mother and father, but you love the Lord Jesus Christ. You love God more than your mother and father. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You still love your children with a great love. You want the best for them. But you also love God, your father. You love what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. You love how the Spirit is working in your life. And then you love your children, your son, or your daughter. And then Jesus says one other thing. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You're going to take up the cross. You're going to take up the fact that you love the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what it takes, no matter how much you are going to be persecuted, how difficult it's going to be. You are going to follow the way of the cross. These men didn't think they had to earn salvation. You say, well, this parable has some weaknesses. Maybe it does. Because they sold everything in order to buy something of great value. Were they buying their salvation? And we would say what they were buying was free. They bought free grace. That's what they were buying. And they were turning their back to everything else that got in the way. They sold off their sinful pleasures. They sold off their sinful ways. They left behind their old life. They began a new life. They bought free grace. Paul wrote the Ephesians and said, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Do you think that those two men, the one that bought the field that had the treasure and the one that bought that precious pearl, ever regretted their purchase? I know some people who bought a house and now they call their house a money pit. I know some people who bought a car and now they call it a lemon. Do you think that treasure was a money pit? That precious pearl was a lemon in disguise? No. These men became more and more satisfied with their investment. They lived in the kingdom of heaven. They went from unhappy people to being the happiest people. They went from poverty of spirit to having spiritual wealth. They went from being disappointed with what life was giving them to being fulfilled in the life that God had given them. They went from sorrow to joy. 
Are you saved? Have you found that treasure? Do you have a pearl of great price? No one is going to purchase a field for you so that you could have the treasure. You're going to have to purchase it yourself. No one is going to invest in a pearl of great price. You are going to find the money, the means, to get that pearl on your own. You have to come as you are. There's a song that is appropriate for us to end with that I don't have the, the lyrics. Actually, this is a kind of song that I think that Henry Bast would sing. I'd rather have Jesus. And it goes like this. I would rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I would rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus in houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. I'd rather have Jesus in men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. Wouldn't you rather have Jesus?